Let's pray one more time before we start here. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Father, for truth. Uh, Thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit who leads us to truth. We depend on him. We depend on him absolutely when we open the word that we are led to truth. We trust you, Father. We love your ways. Be glorified here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we started James, or two weeks ago when we met last, uh, we started James chapter 1. We made it down through verse 16. Uh, this first chapter is sort of a sort of a build-up, sort of an introduction to the book, but has a lot of uh, bits and pieces and uh, things. Like I mentioned before, so much of James is often quoted. I mean, you hear it all the time, little bits and pieces of James come out and, and scriptures that people have in their hearts. And we're going to see something today in this last part of James chapter 1 about that engrafted word. And uh, so much of James is engrafted in many of God's people. And that's, that's valuable. It's, it's invaluable. It's just God's truth and his word readily available and built in. We'll get to that in just a minute. I just want to start in verse 17. I'm going to read to the end of the chapter. Uh, I'll just read from the screen the NIV uh, to the end, and then I'll be referring to the NET as I teach, though. But So uh, James 1:17 begins, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not give, does not change like shifting shadows. Go ahead. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So back to verse 17. There's a lot in there, huh? (laughs) A lot in those few verses. 17, 
the NAT writes it this way, all generous giving and every perfect gift is from above. So there's uh, it's, there are several different ways they, they have translated this in different versions, but this one makes good sense, and it separates the two meanings of the word, all generous giving and every perfect gift is from above. It's not just the gifts, but it's the giving act of God is from above. The giving part and what he gives. The act of giving and the thing he gives. We need to, we need to acknowledge both, that he's generous and giving in his nature, and then acknowledge what it is he gives us. Look back at the first part of the chapter. What are some of the things that he gives us that maybe we aren't so readily uh, happy about? Remember all the testing. Find it. Be happy about all that. You know, Not about the testing, but about the result. Remember that from a few weeks ago. Remaining under that pressure so that there's a result that God desires. That's what we talked about before. That's part of the giving and the gift of God that he that it's referring to. But everything, every good and perfect gift, I think one translation says, is from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or the slightest hint of change. The uh, King James says, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Just just think about walking out, well, even just under the lights here, but out in the sunshine, there's always a shadow from on the opposite side of you from the sun. That's the, that's, not, that's the way nature works. That's the way light works. But in the presence of God, light is pervasive. It doesn't just come from one direction. It is all-encompassing. The Father of light. The God who created light by his word. Let there be light. And then he assigned where it would go and how it would act. But first he said, let there be light. Like from where? He just said, let there be. And he is the father then of light. He is the father that brings light and truth. And you can't find any darkness in it. There's none there. There is no darkness in it. You can't turn around. When you're in the presence of God, you can't turn around and find a shadow. There is none. He has no shadow turning. He has no changing nature. Everywhere you look, it's his light and his love and his life in his presence. No variableness, no variation, not the slightest hint of change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, I mentioned in the beginning of teaching this book uh, two weeks ago that some argue that this book just has so much in conflict with uh, Paul and his epistles and some other scriptures and places. But I see over and over where it just agrees and it agrees, agrees, agrees. And this was the first letter written to the New Testament church. It wasn't like he copied anybody else. He heard the Holy Spirit say, write this down. <laughs> that reminds me of an old Cajun joke. <laughs> I'm not going to go into it, but when this <laughs> just every time I hear somebody say, "Write that down," that's a funny, funny joke. One day, one day I'll tell you. It's not a bad joke. It just takes a long time to tell. 
18. By his sovereign plan, is the way NET translates it, he gave us birth through the message of truth that we might that we would be a kind of first fruits of all he created. By his sovereign plan, uh, you know me, I love to uh, I love the fact of God's sovereignty. It permeates just about everything in me, in my faith. God's sovereignty, his sovereign plan. I want you to uh, think back now. What is it we talked about two weeks ago that uh, this, this is talking about he gave us birth. What, what did we talk about two weeks ago about being birthed? Sin was birthed by temptation and desire conceiving. But this has nothing to do with us and our choice or our temptations. It's his It's all his doing. I want you to look uh, for just a second at John 1. John chapter 1. Verses 12 through 13. John chapter 1 is where it begins. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was uh, with God, and the Word was God. But we're going to go to uh, verse 1. Chapter, uh, verse, I mean, chapter 1, verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Here's the point I want to make with this part, this scripture. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human desire or a husband's will, but born of God. Does that sound like it's in absolute agreement with what James is writing here? His sovereign will, his sovereign plan, back in James 1, his sovereign plan, he gave us birth through the message of truth. And then that we, might, that we would be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Under the law, the first and best fruits of the harvest were to be given and not kept. Given to honor God, to be obedient to God, and we're to be a kind of first fruit. And it has to be referring to that same kind of concept. Given for God's purpose. Given by God's command. And not just first fruits of people, but of all He created from the very beginning, from Genesis 1-1, it was God's sovereign plan. He created all things, and it all culminated in His Son being the firstborn of many. And all that creation, all the, all the history, all the story of God, all the story of His creation is to make us first fruits. It's not like we're a side effect. It's not like we're a byproduct. This is the plan. Think about that. We're the plan. He didn't say, oh, by the way, you can come along. He said, from the beginning, I created everything for this purpose. And I knew you before I did that. 
That's some good news. That's an awesome thing. It's beyond our real understanding. We can't get fully wrapped around that. But get all you can that this is not an, just a circumstance that happened along the way. It is the end result of his created plan. It's important. It's important to know that's how important you are to him. How much more important could we be than for God to allow His Son to die for this plan? You can't be any more important than that. His sovereign plan to birth us. It's an important thing to to get a hold of. 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Quick to listen. To what? He just mentioned the message of truth. That might be a good place to start. But you know, when some people hear the message of truth, the first thing they want to do is speak up and get mad about it. I don't know that... That's not all he's referring to here, but it's part of it. If the... What did, what did I see the other day? I, I shared it. It said something like, uh, those who think truth is hate speech are haters of the truth. There are people, and I'm sorry, we participate this in this at times in our souls because we are still fighting the battle with our souls. That when we hear the truth, sometimes we want to argue with it. We don't want to let it just seek in and let it have its effect. We want to speak up and we also get mad when it doesn't agree with how we think things ought to be. But I thought it would be like this. I don't care what you thought. What does God say? What does the truth say? And if we will just let that sink in, listen, hear it, and be slow to do anything else, to speak or to get angry, let it do its work. Because what comes when we hear the Word of God? Faith. What is required to please God? Faith. So what do we have to do to get there? Listen and keep your mouth shut. Whew. It's hard. Man, I'll tell you, it's hard. I know it. You know it. In Ecclesiastes 9.17, it says, The words of the wise are heard in quiet. You can't hear the words of the wise when it's noisy. More than the shouting of a ruler is heard among fools. <clears throat> the words of the wise are heard in quiet. Quick to hear. You're going to have to give me... Uh, a little grace here. I, just, I read this in Matthew Henry's uh, commentary. <laughs> he mentions a maniche, which was a different religious sect. He says, A maniche contested with Augustine and with importunate clamor <laughs> cried, Hear me! Hear me! So this other religious guy 
is arguing with Augustine. And he says, hear me or listen to me. And I just like the way they, they wrote the, he wrote the Latin in here. He says, Father, the Father modestly replied, Nec ego te, nec te, tu me, sed ambo adiamus apostolum. Neither let me hear thee, nor do thou hear me, but, here's the important part, let us both hear the apostle. Let's quit arguing and listen to the message of truth. You don't hear me, and I don't hear you, but let's both hear the Word of God. Let it sink in. Let us hear, let us listen, and be slow to speak. Sometimes when I read, when I'm teaching and I read a scripture, I'm, I almost want to just say, let that sink in and sit down. That's not the job of a teacher. But sometimes it's like, just let the Word say what it says and get out of the way. And let it sink in. Quit adding your skill, <laughs> your words. That's what I'm hearing in my head sometimes. In verse 20, for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. That's pretty... Pretty straightforward. Nobody, I don't think anybody can really argue with that. Have you ever accomplished anything for God in anger? No. So in 21, so put away all filth and evil excess and humbly welcome the message implanted within you which is able to save your souls. Put away all filth and evil excess. When you open your mouth and you get mad about stuff, it is revealing the evil excess in your heart. What comes out of our mouth in the first place? What does the Word say about that? Hmm? The abundance of our hearts. That's what comes out of our mouth. And so when we speak words of anger or accusation, it is revealing what's in here, so get rid of that and just humbly accept that message of truth that you've heard that is bringing faith. Let it be implanted so that it is the first thing that comes out. If it's implanted, if it's, if it's growing in your heart, if it's rooted in your heart, then more times than not maybe when you open your mouth, truth comes out instead of evil excess. All this stuff that we're going to look at here concerning speaking in the tongue, you know, we, we might read, uh, first say, well, it, it has to be talking about just swearing and being rude and crude. No, that's part of it. That's a big part of it. But how about just stating your own opinion when God's wanting you to state His truth? Well, I see it this way. I think it's like this. Twenty-two, but be sure you live out the message. 
and do not merely listen to it and so deceive yourself. Arthur's been teaching on this in various ways for a long time, several months, about we've got to do it. We've got to, we've got to do what the Word says. You know, any, any, anybody that uh, has spent years and years going to every Bible conference, every special event they can possibly get tickets to and travel to, you know, Joyce Myers or whoever, you know anybody like that just goes and goes and goes and goes. Those are really enjoyable things to listen to. I mean, I, I enjoy listening to Joyce Myers. does me no good just to listen. It does no, those people no good just to count up how many conferences they've been to until they take that and say, oh, that means when I go to the grocery store, I need to act like this. Or in my job, I need to be able to do this according to his word. I need to have integrity. I need to come under. I need to have oversight like God does. Whatever the things are that the word teaches for your circumstance until you take it and apply it. And so many people sadly, don't understand, it applies to everything. Everything. Not, not just the religious stuff. It applies to everything we do. God has given us direction for everything, whether we have figured that out or not. And, you know, Jesus boiled it down to love your neighbor as yourself and love, love your God. Love your neighbor and love God. He said, that pretty much covers it. Well, that, that takes some thought. That takes some consideration of how does that cover everything. But it does. He says it does. So it does. And we're going to see a little bit of that at the end of this chapter, actually. For if someone... Let's see. Make sure I'm not skipping over Yeah, just, just consider that implanted word. Let me just uh, give you this picture. That implanted word. The difference between going and planting something in the ground or just tossing it out to see what happens. Putting the work in to cultivate and plant and care for it. Or just open the door and toss it out and say, that's good. Birds are going to come and eat the seeds, by the way. You know, if you just toss it on the ground, you know, the word, you know, the parable of the sower explains all of that. It takes a planting in good ground. So, verse 23, For if someone merely listens to the message and does not live it out, he is like someone who gazes at his own face in a mirror. For he gazes at himself and then goes out and immediately forgets what sort of person he was. Now, uh, it's kind of odd that uh, King James says, looks in the, in the glass, their mirrors were actually polished metal. But just imagine uh, the picture here he's painting is this uh, piece of polished metal that you look in and you know it's not perfectly, you know, perfectly flat and reflective. And so can you imagine, you even have to kind of work it looking 
looking at yourself, get around the blemishes of the metal itself, you know, and really spend time doing that, and then lay it down, and then all of a sudden you just forget all that effort. Forget anything about it. This is a little aside here. Even worse than that is if we have the mirror and we have somebody else's picture next to it and we're comparing those two. That's not what this is talking about, but it came to mind when I was thinking about it. Looking at yourself compared to somebody besides Christ, you are you lack wisdom when you do that. But we do it all the time. Oh, I don't look as good as so-and-so in the physical, but also in the spiritual. Oh, I'm not as good as so-and-so, or I'm better than so-and-so. Look how bad they are. I think it was Angela and I were talking one night at uh, prayer, and I... Sorry. <laughs> about comparisons. And, uh, you know, I've, I've told y'all, and I don't know how many here have heard me say this, but I've, I've always said that, you know, for a long time I didn't really think I had much of a testimony uh, to give about my salvation because, you know, I was a pretty good guy. You know, I did finally realize I needed to cross, thank God. But just in the last few years, God has started... Uh, having me look intently in the mirror. And go ahead and compare yourself to those others that you have always done. And so I'm, I'm just going to kind of, in, in the air here, draw, you, draw this picture. Like you have this, this spectrum of really, really completely evil over here and perfectly righteous over here. That's where Christ lives, right? He's over here. So right over here, 100% evil. Most of man lives about right here. And, you know, Christ is over there, right? I've, I finally figured out that I'm like right there. Okay? I'm not very far over here. I may be to the right of a few people, but who cares? I'm to the left of Christ. That's the one we should look at. And it says if we look into the perfect, let me jump ahead here, 25, but the one who peers into the perfect law of liberty and fixes attention there and does not become a forgetful listener, but one who lives it out, he will be blessed and in what he does. If we gaze on Christ, if we look into his law of liberty and freedom and quit comparing ourselves over on this evil end of the spectrum, looking at our faces and say, yeah, I look better than him. Or I don't look better than him. Whatever. We walk away and forget what kind of person we are. I just wrote down, we are quick to forget our flaws and think too highly of ourselves until we are presented again with the real image in the mirror. Until we go through honest inspection. Until we go through honest inspection and let the Word reveal things in us. If we look into that for our inspection, then we get the truth. 
as I was thinking about that inspection idea a few weeks ago, uh, I sold my airplane. And before the sale could be finalized, this guy wanted a, what they call a pre-buy inspection. Some mechanic or expert goes and looks at everything in the airplane to, to see if what you say is true about the airplane, what condition it's in, and maybe some things you don't even know about, but inspect it before sale. And this guy found a number of things that were not really perfect. It's a 1967 model. It's not going to be perfect. But even then, he found some things that I was either unaware of, some that were like that, and then some others that I was aware of and had put up with. Set aside, not addressed. Do you have some of those? Do we have some of those in ourselves that without being really inspected and letting the Word of God speak and, and direct us, that we just kind of set aside some things. Well, that's not really that bad, and it's not affecting me in my day-to-day walk, so I'm just not going to deal with that. I can still fly the plane. That gauge doesn't work, but it's okay. <laughs> it is. It was. I flew it all over the country. That gauge never worked. There are some, you better hope they don't quit. <laughs> but we do that. Oh, that's okay. I can get along without really dealing with that. Or I'll, I'll, I'll start working on that. But let's, let's do this. Peer into the perfect law of liberty. That word peer, this really caught my attention. It actually describes like this. You stoop over and look at something more closely. When we do that, if we'll stoop over, we may actually find ourselves kneeling and being affected by what we're looking at. Not just stoop over for a moment, but kneel and peer and let it have its work. That's what it, that word means, to stoop over and look at it. I think that's God's prompting. Go ahead, stoop, and then keep going. <laughs> Get on down on your knees and let the law speak to you. The law of liberty fixes his attention there and does not become a forgetful listener. Then this is really important in 20, the end of 25. He will be blessed in what he does, not by what he does. That's part of the argument about James, all of this stuff about works and the importance of works. He will be blessed in what he does because of what the law of liberty has shown him. That God has birthed us by this truth and that if we'll adhere to it and we'll not walk away forgetting it, but we'll do it, then in our doing we will be blessed. That's what it says, and it's true. If someone thinks he is religious, yet does not bridle his tongue, and so, and so deceives his heart, his religion is futile. 
Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. No corrupt communication. It doesn't just talk about just cuss words. Corrupt communication. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Man, where would we be right now in this nation if the only thing people allowed out of their mouth was something that ministered to those hearing? Ministering grace to their hearer. If that's all we ever allowed out of our mouths, where would we be? Well, we can't affect everybody. We can't change all the politicians especially. But what we can do is change what comes out of our mouth. Not after it's out, right? But before. And how do we get there? By peering into the, into the Word, into the truth of God, and letting it be implanted so that what comes out of our mouth has to be from that source, and it will minister grace. That's quite a goal. Quite a goal to, to say, I want that. I want to be such a hearer of the Word. I want to peer into it so intently. I want it to be implanted in my heart so sufficiently that when I open my mouth, it is a ministry of grace. Every word. Twenty-seven. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this. To care for orphans and widows in their misfortune and to keep oneself unstained by the world. You hear that first part quoted most, mostly. To care for orphans and widows. But there's an and. To keep oneself unstained by the world. The first part, caring for orphans and widows, doesn't that fit into love your neighbor? Doesn't it do that? We're told we're, gonna, we're, we're to be in the world but not of it. That's the rest of this. Keep oneself unstained by the world. How do you do that? By loving God and his ways and not the world and its evil ways. That we keep it from staining us by devoting ourselves to God. That we don't keep one foot over there and one foot over here. Unstained by the world. Romans 12:2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does that happen? Stooping over and peering into the truth and letting it be planted. I'll tell you when I when I first started preparing this. Preparing to start teaching James, it just—it just seems like so many separate little things, little little instruction here and instruction there, but and just all this hodgepodge. But it's not. He's writing a letter to the to the people who've been scattered abroad, sent out of Jerusalem under persecution. And it's not like, oh, let me just mention this, and I'll just mention this. Oh yeah, I'll mention this. It's Here's the message. It's a whole message. Now, there are, of course, bits and pieces that 
or stand alone. But don't be deceived that you can just pick and choose. All this fits. And it also fits into that from Genesis 1 to the end plan, the sovereign plan of God. That's all I've got for today. You, you good? Well, let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you've given us the message of truth that we can peer into, that we can stoop down and, and kneel before you, Father, that, uh, that you'll reveal yourself, that you'll shine that light that has no darkness in it. Let it affect us, Father. Let it penetrate. Let it be implanted. We give ourselves to it today, Father, that we be changed forever. If there's anything in, in our hearts that will come out of our mouths that's unsanctified, that's not a ministry of grace, Father, show it to us, sanctify it, purify our hearts, Father. Purify our hearts and renew a right spirit within us. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> anything before we go? A little early today. I thought I might be a little early today, but that's okay. Y'all be blessed. Have a great week.